It's the GOAT and Big T. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Juice and Tea Podcast. You are back rocking with Terrence, Big T Evans. And Andrew Juice Mahone. We hope this uh, episode finds everyone well. You know, we hope we're, you know, taking this quarantine thing the best of our ability. You know, I mean, we're going to get past it. Is it over? Is it still going on? Man. I really don't know. Well, so for those of you who aren't from St. Louis, uh, Jefferson County just passed that uh, May 4th they're going to open, like they're going to shut down the restrictions again. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> the Indian, I also just seen something today that uh, there's been a spike in cases in Florida with the beaches opening again. So, man. Yeah, and then. Supposed that, to go to Miami, man. Yeah, that's that went out the window very quick. Man, that's crazy. And then this past weekend in Chicago, of course, it was out. It was out west. Tink had a party with over a thousand people there. It was yeah, I know. It was absolutely that. insane. Wow, people. So, with that being said, if y'all got the urge, man, tussy slide in your own living room. There's, there's no <laughs> need to go out in the public and to and to get y'all party. You know, man, stay home. That's just being real, man. It's. I'm I'm personally still leery about the whole opening up thing. It's just just be smart, play it safe, wash your hands. <laughs> that's all we hand I mean, sanitizer. If you ain't if you ain't got access to an actual sink, man, make it work, please. But I want to open this up with a little story today. Bring you guys back. So this this article is actually from September 2017. And it's by Jessica Vinas Nelson. And uh, I'll go ahead and start. So in June, many Americans marked Loving Day, an annual gathering to fight racial prejudice through a celebration of multiracial community. The event takes its name from the 1967 Supreme Court ruling in Loving v. Virginia. The case established marriage as a fundamental right for interracial couples, but 72% of the public opposed the court's decision at the time. Many decreed it as judicial overreach and resisted its implementation for decades. The case that brought down interracial marriage bans in 16 states uh, centered in on the aptly named Richard and Mildred Loving. In 1958, the pair was arrested in the middle of the night in their Virginia home after marrying each other uh, the month before in Washington, D.C., pleading guilty to cohabiting as man and wife against the peace and dignity of the commonwealth. Wow. The, com- the commonwealth. The commonwealth. Man, <laughs> they, they were offered one year imprisonment or or a suspended sentence if they left their native state. Our, isn't our government just so lenient, man? Like, <laughs> they're giving, they giving them options. All right, last paragraph. So, the Loving's chose exile over prison and moved to D.C., but they missed their hometown. After being arrested again in 1963 while visiting relatives in Virginia, Mildred Loving wrote Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, who in turn referred her to the American Civil Liberties Union. Uh, The ACLU appealed the Loving's conviction, arguing interracial marriage bans contradicted the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. Despite this line of argument, lower courts upheld the verdict because, as one jurist wrote, the fact that the Almighty God—I don't know about my God—they <laughs> <laughs> must have got a different one. The fact that the Almighty God separated the races showed that He did not intend for the races to mix. So that's kind of how we want to open this up for you guys to kind of set the tempo for the topic, as you guys kind of see. Um, within a racial relationships, you know, I personally, I'm a, I guess a product of a mother and father who were of different racial groups. So it, it, it kind of hits home for me a little bit different. And, um, you know, this is something I've, I've, I've always been interested in and just kind of exploring both sides of, I guess my identity really. And, you know, there, there's a lot of banter, you know, going on rather it's socially acceptable or I yeah, guess okay, sure. but it's like, you know, bringing it back, this used to be illegal. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that 
that last part really honestly had me shook. The fact that a lot of courts upheld that and said the fact that the almighty God separated the races to show that he did not intend for the races to mix. Wow. So with that, <laughs> did, didn't we all come from one race? I mean, I, I mean, I mean, technically there's only one race, which is the human race in my opinion, but right. I mean, it, it, that's a whole other topic. We can, yeah. <laughs> we can really explore because man, but you know, w- with stuff like that happening and then you, you know, the, in the same kind of time frame, you have situations like, you know, Emmett Till, um, if you want to. Yeah. And if, for those of you do, who don't know, um, he was a nine-year-old boy who was, uh, visiting family in Mississippi. He was from Chicago and he was, uh, lied and said he was lied upon and said he whistled at a white woman and he ended up basically losing his life for such and later after the many many years after obviously he had passed away the woman had came and admitted that he never whistled that she lied on his behalf that is that's insane and like another thing about that story is just how all the news articles they showed his like it was an open casket. Yeah, it and, was an open casket. And his it, mom, his mom chose, chose didn't to want to kind of water it down. They wanted to show the world what they would do. Let's get the, like let's also touch this up. It was a nine year old little boy. So knowing what we know now, they decided to go ahead and persecute someone without substantial evidence. And without the understanding of that, he had not even completely developed cognitively yet. So, like, the self-awareness and the decision-making skills just weren't there yet. They just had not had the time to develop. Right. And and even if they were, and even if they were, with even, the time, right. I don't think the even outcome would have been different. Facts. Even, even if that was, like, something that you do, not to justify if that was the, the, the truth, but it's like, you don't ever have the right to do that to somebody. Like they tossed him in a, you know, like a river or something, didn't they? Um, I actually want to be factually correct on yeah, this one. Yeah, so let me actually like, look I'm, I'm it sure up. They, like, they, I believe it, it, it was it, it was gory. It was gory. But I'm sorry, I will correct. He was 14 years old, and he was lynched in Mississippi after yeah. being accused of offending a white woman that he whistled at. That's what it was. Yeah. So. You know, not not to not to really damper the the light, but I, I kind of wanted to bring it back, you know, with the history, you know, before we kind of tap into, I guess, know, our, our experiences our, our current, and our current society, our current unpacking societal. interracial relationships as a whole. Yeah. So an interesting fact, though, that I didn't realize, um, especially given given the South's kind of just overall stigma, but from 2000 to 2010. Mississippi had like the highest number of interracial uh, marriages. Wow! Which did not. I was doing the math and I was like, "How?" It, yeah, that's that's a, that's a very that, interesting statistic. It's the heart of it, man. Like, that's just crazy. So, I don't know. Like, for 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 UT, if if you were to, I guess, um, end up in a relationship with a woman who was a, of a different race. How do you think that, uh, you know, you'd be able to kind of handle the different culture and the different expectations of maybe her, maybe just her family? Um, this is something that I heard, and I think it's a really, just a really good point to just always remember, is to um, a pastor said this. Of course, it was Steve Ferdy because I rock with him. And he's the homie, basically. <laughs> but he oh. said. Stop prejudging people on things they can't control. And it's and it's pretty much to a T. And granted, like, I'm not saying I judge people for just like their race, ethnicity or like how they look. But it's just it's it it's a statement to like focus on pausing and just have the intentionality to truly get to know their character. And I think that's what's the most important when it comes to interracial relationships because 
outside of the relationship, there's going to be plenty of people that are pointing to the differences that you guys have. So inside of the intimacy of getting to know them, truly get to know me, like getting to know their character is going to just make the biggest difference, in my opinion, because you truly get to know who they are and then you don't see them as like, okay, this is my significant other that's blank. You know what I mean? Right. You don't wake up and be like, all right, let me go champion a day with my opposite racial partner. Like, yeah, it's just, exactly. It's the same premise as a normal relationship it's not it's not the same overall there's obviously different nuances but like you were saying like when you choose someone you you choose them based on their their character that the traits that they that they offer right so another thing i kind of wanted to to add to what you were saying is like in my experience in relationships that i've had or uh things of that sort when they were of a different of a different race and and it kind of seemed as if we knew that, like, people in the public or, like, we might be perceived as a certain way or, like, oh, yeah. it might not be accepted. It, it kind of, like, instilled, like, a almost, like, beating the odds. Like, we got a mm-hmm. chip on our shoulders. Like, like they don't want to see us together. Like, they want to see us divided. Yeah. But it's, like, you know, as a couple, you can kind of channel that energy and it will, like, feed into your partnership as a unit. I can, I can definitely see that. And I've actually had friends who have told me, that uh, who are in interracial interracial relationships, and they said they got some pushback from their family, um, actually on both sides of the relationships. And he explained how like it allowed them to leverage, I guess, their relationship to truly get to know each other just like deeper, but also it put them in a position of putting them just much closer to each other. And that, I mean, at the end of the day, all you can hope for is someone who truly knows you and understands you. And if that's the goal in the end, does it truly matter what they look like on the outside? That's the that's the million dollar question, man. I, I know that, you know, some people who are really strong in their their like family ties and they're tied to their you know their ethnic background someone who might be asian american or someone who might be of you know a certain european country they might have really strong roots and so i think a lot of times people will try to keep that same cycle going like marry someone who is just like you that way we can pass this along and so i do feel as if though and I'll use examples since I'm I'm mixed, but I still classify myself as a African American man. Right. I love you, mom, but it just is what it is. <laughs> wow. It is what it is. I mean, I, I acknowledge that that part of me as well. But me choosing to not be with someone who is also African American, with that, I'm still missing out on an opportunity though to kind of dive deeper and and, and grow in that that blackness part of me if that makes sense and and not that it's a not that it's a bad thing but it's just that's just the truth like you you know obviously the the character traits of whoever i am with will kind of overpower but i think that you know the other side of that is is valid like choosing someone who's not of your ethnic background you do kind of lose out on a little bit of like digging deeper and exploring your like your own roots together as, as a couple. Do you think that also allows for a very teachable moment? Because it like technically just because you're venturing outside of your own race, you can't, you, you can, you can still explore your roots as like to who you are and like just who they are ethnically. And like, but do you think that moment an interracial relationship is a teachable one or do you think that moment is more so it it kind of it's a I guess a discouraging moment or like a moment where you're like well okay like obviously they're different and I really I'm really into them and I want to be with them is like I guess my guess my thing is are you looking at the fact that you can't explore the historical backgrounds together in that aspect as a pro or a con yeah I mean you know, both of us are single, right? So we can always go. Oh yeah. 
I mean, ladies, I hope y'all, I hope y'all oh. listening. <laughs> chill, chill. <laughs> it's a slight plug, but um, no, I think that you know, as a single man or a single female, like you're able to, you know, dig deeper and kind of just learn about yourself, and maybe not alone. Maybe you have a a, a group of friends or uh, also your family, but you know, when you have someone who's your significant other. And it's just kind of amplified, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I don't think that it's a, you know, it's a bad thing. I don't think you're missing out on like the whole world because you still can, you still can pursue that, um, you know, but just to kind of hop on the side where people may have a preference to date someone within their own race. It's like, well, they're, they may see that as like, you know, there's so much you can learn about your own, I guess, ethnic uh, upbringing and just like history and you can do it together as a couple, you know, because. Right. It's just, it's more intimate. It's it's just more expansive than if you were to do it like alone. Um, however, that kind of leads me into like a question for you, T. Okay. Do you feel as if you 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 have this thing inside of you? Maybe it's from society that like you're almost expected to date someone of your of your race, or do you think you like lose blackness if you? Uh, oh, one hundred percent, dude. Like. <laughs> I've I've been I've been called various names for dating outside my race, and I mean, Tom, Uncle. No, nah, <laughs> we're not even going there. But I mean, like I've <laughs> I've been called <laughs> several different things for dating outside my race. And see, my thing it's it's still I feel like it's something that we as a society has accepted over time, but I don't think we as a society have digested it over time because it's still something that like. It's still something that people have to think about, think twice about when they're getting ready to introduce a significant other to their parents. And I also believe that in a way, interracial relationships help us as people. I guess they, they help kill the, the prejudices that each individual has kind of because when you explore in a racial relationship and you truly approach it with transparency, honesty, and vulnerability, you, you get to truly learn things about, uh, ethnicity and a nationality that you may not have knew. And you truly get to kind of like dive deep and truly understand the fundamentals and the I guess the backbone of the culture and it allow and like and I guess that's a form of like education but also just in a way of stepping outside of like your own bubble and experiencing something else yeah I think that that me and you both have this thing about us where I don't know if it's just general curiosity or just general like trying to get the most out of life right because you you really only get you only get one life. You only get one life, and, and you can only experience so much yeah. in this life. And it's so. like that one life, you can really, you can tap in, and you can make it your mission to be the most Asianist Asian dude or the most blackest black person or, like, whatever it may be, but really going out there and developing relationships. And, and obviously, intimate relationships are just magnified um, and just taking on different, different cultural norms, like, I kind of want to be with someone who, you know, who can, who can flex a little bit in the kitchen. Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, because I definitely, I definitely I mean, cannot. <laughs> and see, my thing is what's crazy is like some people are here. I want, I want some, I want somebody who can flex in the kitchen from a, from a black man. And they instantly think like, I want like, and they, I won't say, I wanted to say they instantly think, but they, this, they picture when they, when they say, when they, I guess when they picture good cooking associated with coming from a black, well, like a black man desiring good cooking, they get this, this picture of like, okay, it's a black woman in the kitchen throwing down frying chicken greens, but it's, and that just goes to show you the natural prejudices that we have about one, our own race within itself. Right. And two, just about other people. Cause like with me saying that, like I didn't really specify which, which ethnic group I was to like be talking honest, about. You I know was, what I mean? Yeah. Like, and see, what's crazy is, but see, you 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 hear statements like that, and you're just like, okay, 
But you try to, if you try to like blanket that statement, just be like, I, I want a woman who's just a great cook. I mean, you, you said it at a very blanketed point, but it's crazy how we instantly go to black woman frying chicken in the kitchen. I'm j- I'm using that as an example, but like, yeah, that's, that I just would say shows that's the norm. I think that like, you know, even, even outside of that, I, you have different and not just food, right? It's like music, like there's so much things to explore about, like, I guess the world and like being in like an intimate relationship with someone who, who is able to like learn from you when you're able to kind of show them oh, a little yes. bit about where you come from. And like, you know, I'm from like Chicago and so this is what we do, like deep dish. And like, I, and then, then they can kind of step in and be like, okay, you know, say they're from wherever, maybe like, like Texas, Texas, Peru, like th- you, you name it. And it's just like, you guys can kind of come together and just, you know, teach each other and just grow together. And, and, and it's clearly I'm a fan. <laughs> clearly, clearly I'm an advocate for interracial relationships, which I mean, however, I, I can see the side where people kind of want to keep it within their, you know, their roots. And I don't think I, that's a bad ideology. I just hope that like that doesn't carry over to just how they operate in general. Cause like, that's a very like one inside the box kind yeah. of thinking. And I truly think the reason why interracial relationships are just really so hard to digest, it's because we walk around um, as, I guess, with a, we walk around as if, I guess, racism or, like, prejudices and harsh racial judgments don't exist anymore. And, and like, just because we're interacting with people who don't look like us. But yet we realize we tend to find ourselves just only engaging in small talk and never having intentional conversations with those that truly don't look like us sometimes. And I think that's, the, I guess, a step that's that truly needs to be had. We should really start having more of those uncomfortable, intentional conversations about like just racism, um, prejudices. And it's, I mean, we're not, and I'm not saying this, we need to have these conversations to like, to like point blame, but no, we need to have these conversations. So like we just educate the like others around us because when I, whenever I bring these kind of topics up, I either look for one or two things. I either look to be educated or provide knowledge so I can, so someone can say, wow, I never thought of it that way. Or wow, that's a really cool perspective. And when you approach it from an open-minded perspective, you, you get to view things very objectively and you don't take things necessarily personal, which can very hap- it can very much happen easily. But it puts you in a place to do nothing but learn from your experiences and thank people for the opportunity of teaching you. That's man, that's that's mad important. And and I think the the biggest drawback to having those intentional conversations, uh, for some people is just they associate maybe a certain group outside of their race with negative feelings so like if, right. if, if you've been wrong by someone who insert ethnic group obviously you're going to approach it a different way but you know al- allowing yourself to kind of you know be vulnerable and and put yourself in a position where you might re- you might learn something new like you might realize that like you know that may have been just a one-off experience like and and, and it's weird how it works because people sort of reject things that like have harmed them you know what i mean right so with that kind of puts you in an isolation box where like you only want to like mess with your kind of people right yeah and it's it's just important to just kind of take that leap you know be willing to to share your experiences like and to be able to hear because you never know like your whole mindset your whole viewpoint of you know like the opposing race or or whatever can really just change and Mm-hmm. You know, relationships is just a vehicle for that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just weird. I, I like to bring up the example of my grandfather who, um, he passed away a couple years ago, but he was actually my step-grandpa. He was a white guy, um, my mom's stepdad. And, um, you know, he was racist. You know, really? super racist dude I, I heard. Um, he was never racist to me. The, the point of that is just that, 
you know, since I was born, like he was able to kind of like step out of that, you know, because like right. he was a grandpa and like he showed me nothing but love. Like he, you know, he took me to all my practices. Like if I needed anything, he was there. Like he truly was able to see something because of the fact that I was born. Because, I mean, I was a I mean, I wasn't dark. I was a yellow baby. But I mean, right. I definitely wasn't white. But, you know, just situations like that kind of. They kind of rock your world in a way. You know and I mean? think it, I guess like I like obviously like we can't speak for him on what his thought process was, but I think that kind of like touches back of like not having prejudice or judging people based upon the things they can't control. And like, you know, I guess to sit back as like from your grandfather's perspective, it's like as little Andrew Mahone, it's not like you chose to be brought into this world in the situation right. you chose to be brought into. You had no control over the situation. You were just an innocent kid living his life. Mm-hmm. And I guess the fact that we have to, like, we, we tend to forget, like, and I, I'm very guilty of this, and I definitely need to work on this. It's really hard to forget. It's really easy to forget, like, when you're when you're dealing with other people, like, they are human just like you, and they came into this world the exact same way with innocence and with, I Broke, guess brokenness, brokenness, biases, and the biases something that we all like, have. And it's just kind of and you and you have to kind of like it really kind of like forces you to like reset like your frame of thinking. It's like like, wow, like, OK, at the end of the day, we're all we're all human beings trying to seek understanding on a topic that no one feels comfortable to talk about. And that's really what it is at this point. And we tend to get uncomfortable when we stumble across people who are comfortable in that um not seeing in a, in a space of just not uh, not observing race as a as a difference and then you you can really tell when people are comfortable interacting with people outside of their race and someone in the room building or whatever it may well I, I guess more so room rather than building walks in and they and they have there's just something that kind of doesn't agree with them in that aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and history is not on the favor of kind of <laughs> like what we're sharing, <laughs> but I mean, like this could just be our generation, man. Like not to say we're like super revolutionaries or anything like that, but it's like, you know, we can kind of push back against everything that's happened and, and, and take it for what it is. I mean, did we have the platforms that we have today where we can like engage with different people? Like everything back then was so polarized and there, there was really no crossing those boundaries. But I mean, if we can kind of get into those, those spaces where like it was not okay. Like we read the story in the beginning of the pod, like no one was really entering those conversations. Yeah. And it it was illegal. Like Emmett Till passed away. You think I'm, I'm going to, holler at Becky over there like no wow. bro like, I am, I'm good like, wow. period. like for real though like <laughs> it, it, it's, it's a fact man like you know but now we realize like I guess the systemic I guess root of it and just how like the ideologies got passed down and as those ideologies are passed down there was never like a conversation to be had that could have changed the t- trajectory of you know, now the whole family might be racist, so they yeah. they rocking Confederate flags. Like, yeah, and I think we, I guess, as a millennial generation, if you will, um, we we're in a very interesting spot right now with Corona. Um, some part of this generation is just kind of like the YOLO mentality; we just do our own thing. And other part of this generation, that's I guess the older branch of the millennials, they feel as if um the world we live in now based upon the skills that like the previous generation kind of equipped us with we almost feel like the world that we can't grew up into versus the world that we were born into we were almost lied to in a way because as you grow up you your parents basically like set your they set your setting for what your self world polarity is they like they set the setting for like what your moral yes or no is kind of thing, right? Right. 
and I think when we kind of get to that age to realize that like our parents have flaws because it happens to everybody. It happens at everybody at different age. But when you you get like like wow like my parent was wrong and you have to like digest them being wrong for like the first time and that that's a big step and a lot of people can't really handle that and i truly think as a generation we've gotten to the point of digesting that and we're in a space where we're almost pushing back against anything that we know for a fact that was negative like negative or bad connotations that were passed down from previous generations. Right. And in a way, I won't say it's almost like a rage against the machine, but it's a way of rebelling and shaking like generational curses. And like from from my perspective, and I even said this on the original uh, uh believe it, the first Juice and Tea episode is that like me in relationships, I I have I have goals in my life that I I plan on making gener- I plan on breaking generational curses for like my family and generations to come that has plagued my family up until this point. And I think my desire to do that also stems from, I guess, just the, so a lot of the underlying prejudice that I just grew up with as a young black kid from Chicago. But look at you now, man, you, you know, you're still a young black kid, but you're but or I'm black as dynamic adult. as they come right. these days. But you're, you know, for people who don't really I guess, you know, the Chicagoland area, like, it's, you know. How, it's very much segregated. Yeah. How would you say the, the the South Chicagoland part is? Do you, do, would um, you say it's, like. For those of you in diverse? St. Louis, it's pretty. Uh, I would North say County, it's it's or? very, it's not as, it's, it's even more dramatic than, like, the, okay, quote, unquote, Del Mar Divide of St. Louis. When you go from, when you're on, like, the south side of, like, when you go, like, southeast to, like, southwest. It's very, it's, it's, it's a very substantial dynamic. It's, um, I guess on the South side of Chicago, when you, I guess when you're approaching Western, uh, I would say some, probably somewhere between Austin and Western, is that where you tend to see the switch from like a predominant, most so predominantly black neighborhoods on the South side to more um just almost like a a a melting pot there's a lot of italians that live over there there's a lot of polish people a lot of irish people it's a very like it's almost it's a very diverse community and like but at to its core it's essentially blacks on the east side of western and then whites on the west side of western that's a fact so that kind of leads me into kind of just the next thing like surroundings right like i've gone to two different high schools and they were both different you know one high school um huge high school in uh iowa city iowa and um definitely not a lot of african-americans who um, attended the high school so it i would say that more interracial relationships were common um just because of the fact that like if i'm a if i'm a african-american man and like and obviously there's not the bulk of the of the population is right. women who are either white or Asian or Mexican. Right. Like I'm going to uh, find find a partner based on kind of what's out there. Yeah. And so to kind of hone in on your point, which your I guess your parents, you know, growing up where they grew up, like kind of what's out there. And so I, I look at you now. It's like you're out here, you know, in the you know St. Louis County. I mean, I don't want to be too specific. Wow. I don't really know who out there listening. To <laughs> wow. <laughs> But like you know, you're in, you're in a in a location where you're immersed among a lot of different people, and so oh, I yeah. think that kind of also plays a role into interracial relationships. Not that you're drawn to you're not drawn someone who's just like who just has those traits that you're looking for, but it's just really a likelihood. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and you uh, yeah, you kind of hit it on the head. It's more so just like it's not even like I'm searching for someone who has like a specific traits it's just more so i'm a person who is naturally around various different types of people all the time and i would like to be with someone who is as dynamic or even more dynamic than myself because 
I mean, if this is going to be a significant other, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with this person. I right. got different kind of friend groups. <laughs> Can, can you rock with me, baby? Like, are you able to move in are different you, groups? Exactly. Like, <laughs> that's that's key, man. Like, I heard um, an interview with the the cast of it was uh, Dear White People, and oh, um, okay, you know, it was the the main the main characters who were the uh, the girls. I forgot their their names, but they were just saying how how they grew up and like based on kind of where they were. So the main character. Um, the main mixed one, I forgot her name, but, uh, she, she grew up in Atlanta for a little bit and then moved to LA and it was like, she kind of changed her, you know, based on her surroundings, like she changed like her personality, her personality, her persona, so she, yeah. you know, she lived in Atlanta in like the hood, but like in the most, I guess, nicest end of the hood. Right. And so she didn't really she didn't want to dress super nice. She didn't want all the fancy clothes. Her mom was like, you know, she worked for like a global company. So her mom would bring back clothes from like France and Italy. And like, she was still, she was at a school in the hood. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So she, w- she was standing out and she wasn't like what, what was ever, what was in. And then she moved out to, to LA and it was the opposite. Like she, right. she went to a higher end school. So she's like, mom, like I, I need you to get me all the higher end clothes. So like, that's also just like another like segue to kind of who you are and like what you're attracting. Like mm-hmm. location is huge. Location and is everything, man. Everything. Oh my goodness. I mean, <laughs> from my personal experience with someone who's lived in Chicago, Milwaukee and St. Louis, I can tell you right now wholeheartedly St. Louis is probably is you know, it is for a fact the most accepting any racial dating city I have ever lived really, in. Really? Really? Oh, my goodness, yes. Interesting. And okay. believe it or not, okay. that was, like, one of the easily top five things I instantly noticed when I went when I went to Walmart when I first got here. See, I I agree with you, I, but I do want to push back. I think the St. Louis has a history of, like, divisiveness, man. Like, and I, I, I'm not here to really rant on St. Louis, but I think it's – it's definitely grown. I think that when we got here, it was like, you know, it was definitely in a direction where it was more accepting. But from what I hear, like, you know, the Delmar Divide, the the Central West End, like you got literally there's one neighborhood where the average income is like 60K and literally a block, a block away. It drops to like 20, like, mm-hmm. and it was just like, you know, you got gentrification and all that so it's it's more accepting now and and kind of how we've seen on the graph like society is definitely growing in a way where it's it's more accepted um which is awesome and i think it, it, it also just um the difference is just in, i really feel like it's in your character and i feel like it's just like kind of like it's like one of those things people always say, like if you're looking for a yellow car, you're always going to find a yellow car. If you're looking to find like racial tensions, you're going to find racial tensions. And I think that is truly like that. And that that plays a huge role. And I'm not saying like I came into St. Louis like, all right, so uh, where are all the interracials? Right. But no, where it was mine. Put me to the nearest zip code <laughs> where I can. Uh, no, it was actually from like it, just, it was. It was honestly one of those things that, like, I was just noticing it, and it, like, I was legitimately, like, shocked. Like, like wow. There's a lot of, and it was, and it gave me, I can't even explain the feeling. It gave me a sense of, like, like okay, I, I'm perfectly okay with setting up a life here with a culture that's, that's open to accepting people for who they truly are. And I think that's, I guess that's what this, I guess the whole gist of this episode has really been just to really just push the the individualism of everyone else to shake the labels and truly get to know the character of who you're getting to know, talk to, and who you're dating. You honestly may be surprised. You may have more common, more in common than you think. Yeah. You definitely, you definitely cannot put people in a box. That's like the worst thing you can ever do. Um, I do want to kind of give some more you know feedback to the audience when it comes to 
having respectful boundaries towards people who yes. are of a different of yes. a different group. I think that a lot of people out out there just may not they may may be in the unknown, and that's no fault to them. They just may have never realized like some do's and like don'ts. Like, right? I know personally speaking, like, man, people. If you <laughs> but okay, so I have you a gonna, question though. Hold on. So if if, if you're gonna be, you know, in a interracial relationship man there's certain there's certain things like for me like don't ask to touch my hair man like i'm gonna be honest like (laughs) there's just like it's just that's just one thing and it's like i can't i can't have that you know what i mean like yeah but is there a safe place where you can get the answers to those do's and don'ts or figure out what those do's and don'ts are because that's why I feel like that's where our issues stem from. There is no place where we are given the grace to correct and give a game plan of what's socially acceptable and what like what others deem is like potentially like prejudice or racist or what others deem is just trying to like truly understand and know. Right. So obviously like if it's something you would do to a pet, maybe don't do that to a person. Um, well, for starters, <laughs> like, come on, you can't. Come you know on, what I mean? Dog. Like, and that's that's just an example. But you know, I, it like I said, it comes from being in the unknown. You know what I mean? Right. And that's why, you know, I, I kind of want to set the page. And obviously, I may have different certain things might make me tick, or certain things might make other people tick that I, I don't really care about. But there, there, there just is a lot of stuff that like. You have to be mindful of, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like, it's even though the relationship is a relationship, it's be, it's between two people who are, you know, there's chemistry, there's compatibility, all that fun stuff, and it's like you still have to be mindful of kind of what you're dealing with, and and I don't want that to just kind of go over people's head based on the fact that like that interrelationships are are that we're pushing it because there is a, there there are still certain things that kind of need to be addressed um in that fashion. So like I said for me, you know, there's just certain things like like can I can I touch your hair? Like that's just you that's you something really, that most people oh, should man. most people should <laughs> kind of get, but I mean, outside of that, I I will say kind of stepping into like interracial kids or interracial people in general, I think that there's like a, just a, what what's a good word to put this? We're in a, a day and age where, you know, everybody wants the, the aesthetically pleasing, you know, tan baby with the curly hair, with the exotic eyes. And you know what I'm saying? Like, there's been, opp- there's been times where like, you know, people have said like, oh, like I'm going to have mixed kids. Like, and then when it when it comes to like I guess developing a relationship with someone or getting to the point of having kids, right? I think that that mindset could be problematic, um, just because like having a you know having a kid who is of a different ethnic group, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you gonna be able to do the hair? You know what I mean? Like, there's just like there's just certain levels, and and I think that as a speaking on the behalf of a mixed person, um. You know what I mean? Like, there's been, like, banter whether, like, whether or not people have, like, identity problems as a mixed kid or um, just kind of stepping into, like, which side are you more? Um, and I would say that's something that like, is definitely worth considering, like, pursuing a um, interracial relationship. And then, obviously, if it leads to, to, to marriage and then kids or whatever route it is. But um, I guess I, I can just pretty much speak that there – there's a lot of hype around it and you shouldn't just, I guess, pursue a relationship that would lead to a baby being aesthetically pleasing. And that's kind of my, my rant. I will say though, that, you know, having interracial kids, you know, you're, you're able to kind of develop a kid that, you know, who has those two sides. So you're kind of able to, um, trans transition into two different worlds almost. You know, depending on which side of family you, you know, you're with, you, you're kind of able to, you know, bring that dynamic personality into just life, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And I think that's big. And I would you say you being mixed has like aided uh, 
your growth and being dynamic within yourself? Oh, yeah, man. I think that um, I think it definitely has. I, I feel that, you know, growing up, obviously, you know, you, you get you get the questions like, well, how is she your aunt if she's white? And it's like, I don't get it. But it's like, you know, outside of that, you know, once you get of age to kind of understand, um, you know, it's family, just how like you might you love your cousins. I love my cousins who are white and I love my cousins who are black. Like, it's just like I, I'm not able to see the divide because, you know, family is family. And the same way you may love, you know, your family is just the same way we do. You know, it's just uh, it's just trickier because on the outside, right, the outside, it, it may look different. And, you know, obviously the culture, like the cooking I'm going to get at my at my white grandma's house is going to be different than like. My white grandma's house, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, and see, I think the fact that like you're willing to embrace the cultural differences for what they truly are and not try to make it as if they don't exist, that makes I mean that puts you in a place to to help others because one like you don't we too often I guess we we find ourselves in situation trying to make it as if like like let's be real like too often we try to make it as if like black culture and white culture is like the exact same thing. And that's, and that's, I don't think if that's ever been the case and I don't think it will ever be the case, but just because we're just two fundamentally different groups of people and we have different morals, values, and like we can go all, all day on that. But I think it's just the fact that like understanding, um, just understanding yourself is key to understanding your culture behind who you are as a person. And it's the same for others. It's once you, I guess once you're ready to approach a relationship and you completely understand yourself within your culture and you understand the, the other person and them willing to take you on a cultural journey to expose them, to expose you to that. I think that's, I mean, that's a cool opportunity within itself. Yeah. That's a fact, man. I, I like to use the example of, my friends, uh, Darren and Charlene. So Darren is uh, African-American, uh, works with youth. He's from L.A. And then Charlene is actually Filipino. Um, both are awesome people. I really hope they get a chance to hear this. But, you know, Darren has been doing, like, barbecue. He does, like, a slow like a slow roast brisket, does, like, uh, kebabs. He's just an animal, bro. And, right. man, it's starting to get warm myself. So definitely – Trust and believe I'm going to be pulling up with a plate. But, you know, and, and and then they've kind of throughout the years started a catering business called the the fat, the fat and Calf. And it's a mixture of like Filipino based, mm -hmm. uh, like a cuisine mixed with like his barbecue. And it's just like, man, that's that's like one of the best examples of, I guess, coming together as a couple. And being able to pull from both sides kind of the strengths and then just kind of and kind of like make it, something up yeah. that's just impactful. Like, man, like they legit have a catering business. Like they both work full time and like I've been able to kind of see them start that from the ground up. And it's just, man, that's that's and, ideal right there. And and let and that just shows you what's possible when you truly accept the person for who they are. Mm -hmm. and vice versa yeah no i i agree man i think that um you know this episode we kind of just got the process just kind of how we choose a partner kind of just to recap our first episode but then to also kind of just say the additional value that having like a, a somewhat of a different race um as an intimate partner which is just eye-opening and it just changed your whole your whole perspective yeah, and life. it it kind of puts you in a in a completely different like frame of mind in a completely different uh, space but it also puts you in a place to to truly learn um from others and it puts you and it, i guess it gives you a very unique opportunity that you honestly wouldn't be awarded any other place any other time yeah for real this is something that you know we had a fight for like we kind of talked about in the beginning like this was illegal for yeah up until what 52 years ago yeah like that's recent man like, and see what's crazy is when you when you originally think of this story and i'll have to ask some of the listeners this but we didn't touch on this but we didn't even mention that the couple was a white man and black woman 
And what's crazy is now that we've got to the point when we think of interracial relationships, is that what you think of, of a white man and black woman with interracial relationships? Normally, yeah. I think that's normally what we see um, mm-hmm. for you know our U.S. audience. And maybe it just could be us, but that's normally what's, I guess, portrayed. Yeah. yeah. But it just goes to show you that it's, you know, there's multiple different, you know, combinations like it's not it's not literally black and white like it it literally is super broad and you can pretty much name it like you know there's people who maybe listen to this who are in interracial relationships and you know we hope that we can you know provide value to you guys and just kind of just process through you know kind of just our our perceptions and kind of you know what we learned from our experience but to kind of keep on the tradition over here at the juice and tea podcast we will be dropping a another song lyric for y'all and this song man this is like one of the most like down to earth like summertime like windows <laughs> down like just you know granted you know that we get a summer this summer but you know this this song is by the uh, black eyed peas and it's uh where is the love so and to discriminate only generates hate and when you hate, then you're bound to get irate. Madness is what you demonstrate. And that's exactly how hate works and operates. Man, we got to set it straight. Take control of your mind and just meditate. And let your soul just gravitate to the love. And I think that lyric pretty much sums up exactly what relations i guess the i guess the gist of relationships it's and that, that last time that last like the last little bit kind of hit me like a little different it's just let your soul just gravitate to the love and it's and like a lot of people say this quote that like those who are supposed to be in your life will come to you and stay in your life mm. and i've heard that from will smith i've heard that from tracy morgan i've heard that from many other people but let your let your heart lead you and right Go from there. There's enough hate in the world, man. We need to kind of tap into the other side, man. Love conquers all. Nobody dislikes people for being too kind. Right. Think about the most, like, impactful stand-up people you know. Like, love is something that they demonstrate on the daily. So that just goes to show you how important it is and how, like, how dangerous it is to let that discrimination kind of fester inside of you. Because it doesn't just show up inside you. It shows up in your interactions with other people and just, like, Love is the only way we can end these problems. Yes. So, hate to get too deep on y'all, but, you know, we hope y'all enjoy rocking with us today, and we hope you uh, found this episode of value. Once again, thanks for tuning in to the Juice and Tea Podcast. Stay tuned.